Well, hey friends, thanks for joining us today as we kick off a brand new series that we're calling Great Expectations. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to be looking at life's purpose, hopes, dreams, and what happened to all of those hopes and dreams, and what does God have to say about overcoming doubts and fears and all those things that hold you back from making a difference in the world. And man, trust me, that sounds like a lot, and it kind of is, but we're going to go a step by step as we get there. And to help us kind of kick it off and get there, I want to take you back to childhood, right? And for some of us, childhood was not so long ago. And, you know, for some of us, we got to go way, way, way back. But I want to go back and tap into your inner child. And I want you to think about this question. What did I want to be when I grew up? What did I want to be? What, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, Go back to uh, like kindergarten or first grade because when you're a kid, you think you can do anything, don't you? Uh, that's why I love the graphic for this series. It's got the image of this kid in, in a, a cape. You know, he's got his goggles on. And he's got a superpower. He's going to be able to fly. He can do anything because he's going to be a superhero when he grows up. I love that kind of feel. Kindergarten, first grade, right? What did you want to be? Well, I have no shame in telling you what I wanted to be back in that time when, when I grew up. Um, I think I've shared this before. But when I was a kid, young, young kid, I wanted to be a garbage man. And the reason is the job looked pretty cool to me, right? The trucks looked fun, right? And I was fascinated by all the stuff they were doing. And I think my dad was kind of wanting a little different career path for me. So one day he took me to the dump and it worked because once I smelled what the dump smelled like, like I didn't want to be a garbage man anymore. Now, I don't know what that thing was for you. But you had a thing, I'm pretty sure. Uh, maybe you wanted to be a race car driver, or maybe you wanted to be a, a soldier, or maybe you wanted to be a princess, or you wanted to be a cheerleader, or maybe you wanted to be a professional athlete, or some sort of musician, right? I don't know what it was for you, but you believed that it was going to happen, right? Because when you're a kid, that's what kids do. We have superpowers. We can do it. We can be anything. Now, I want to ask you this question. As we kind of get started, this is what you wanted to be when you grew up. Let me ask you, where did that go? Like, like where did that great expectation go that we had when we were kids, right? The expectation that I can do anything, but my life, it's not going to be normal because I've got superpowers, right? When we were convinced that we could become anything that we set our minds to, convinced that normal was never going to be meant for us because we were meant to stand out. So what happened, right? What happened to all of that? Well, the truth is, life happened, right? Maybe uh, college. It just didn't work out like you would plan, and uh, you left college without finishing degree, and now you're looking at, like, I got uh, all this student loan debt for something that I never finished. Or maybe you did finish college, and then you started, and you were all excited to get in and start your career, and only to find out that the work world, it's not really the same as what I studied in college, right? There's office politics, there's self-centered people, there's companies that don't actually care about you, and you're finding all of this out now. Or maybe that engagement that you had didn't work out. Or maybe some pretty serious health issues have hit you, or financial pressures, they just can't seep, came to seep seem to keep mounting and mounting, or perhaps it's watching your children whom you pour your dreams and your life into and you see them choose another path, or the dream of early retirement is kind of fading into the reality of, well, I just live paycheck 
to paycheck. Or maybe it was the cold shoulder from friends that you once trusted or people doubted you or people gave up on you. The list can just go on and on. There's naysayers right, uh, telling you that you're just a quitter, voices saying that you just can't do it. All of this combines to rob us of a hope that we once had. So how do we reclaim that belief? How do we get back to embracing the idea that we can still achieve greatness, regardless of whether we're nearing the twilight of our years or just getting started as an adult? What stands in the way of believing we can still make a significant impact? I suspect the answer lies probably in two primary obstacles. And the first obstacle is this. My dreams get in the way. My dreams get in the way. Now, another way to say it is our limited vision gets in the way. Well, how does that happen? Well, because our dreams and uh, what we have for ourselves, it far surpasses you know, God's dreams, right? We think we know what's best for us. And we can never imagine anything better. And so we put our dreams out there and make them the thing. And so this belief starts to influence every aspect of our lives. Our prayers, our reasons for attending church, the friends we have, the choices we make, even the topics we discuss and share on social media. And so we begin dictating to God what it is that I want. And again, I do this believing that I know what's best for me, right? Be it a particular job or a relationship, a financial decision, a life path. I believe this, and then I expect God to comply with my desires for my life. Then, when our plans don't materialize as we hope, we get frustrated with God. And so we say things like, God, I really wanted to be a garbage man, and God, you didn't make that happen, and so I'm mad at you, right? And as ridiculous as that sounds, that's what we do to God. But from God's perspective, right, we're his children, and he sees beyond our limited aspirations. And he knows fulfilling every whim that we have is not best for us. So he says, look, hey, Clay, I don't want to make you a garbage man or a Navy fighter pilot or an architect, all former dreams of mine. I don't want to make you any of that because I've got bigger dreams for you. So the first issue is that our own dreams, right, which in comparison to God's dreams are small and lacking. And many times, it's our limited dreams that prevent us from embracing and realizing the greater expectation God has for each of us. So that's the first obstacle. The second is my lack of expectations get in the way of accomplishing all that God has for me. And simply put, we don't believe God can do amazing things for us and through us. Now, we may believe that God can do amazing things, but we also believe he'll never do them for me. He does those things for other people, not me. So faith for us just becomes kind of this lifeless routine. So you arrive on a Sunday morning and you go through the church routine, right? And you go to church without expecting any kind of real change. And then the next day, you'll head to work and not expect God to do anything. And each week, you proceed through life's duties, right? Either going to work or going to school, completing that assignment at work, taking that test, all without believing God will ever intervene in your life. So you kind of get stuck in this cycle of merely existing. And the less we expect God to intervene, to redeem, to rescue, to heal, to restore us, the less likely it is to happen. And our mindset, our mere existence, which is devoid of any expectation of the extraordinary, becomes this self-fulfilling process, prophecy. 
and blocks the very breakthroughs that we want to see happen. So over the next four weeks, we're going to work on trying to change that. So if you want to open up your Bible app, we're going to go to Numbers chapter 13, and we're going to begin the story of a man named Joshua. And this story takes place in a time that the nation of Israel has been set free from Egypt and they're wandering in the desert. And then finally, they get to the edge of the promised land and they can see it. And Moses, he sends one spy from each tribe to go into the land and see what it has to offer. And Joshua is one of those 12 spies. And here's what happens. Numbers chapter 13, verse 17, it starts off with this. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. Now, you might be reading this and going, Well, you know, that doesn't really mean very much. But there is a key word that's tucked in there. I highlighted it there. Explore. That word explore, right? Maybe your version says spy. But it's from a Hebrew word that we get the word tourist. So, think about what tourists do. Right? They kind of drop into a new place, and what do they do? They First, they start looking for all the good stuff. Right, They want to have the best of the best. Right, This happened to Jody and I. Last year, we went to St. Lucia for our 30th wedding anniversary, and while we were there, we wanted to see the best of the best, all of the beauty. Right, That's what tourists do. We look for the best restaurants. We look for the best experiences. We look for the best fun. Right, It's everything that's there. So Moses was saying, I want you guys to go. And dig up all the good stuff in this land. Like we've been wandering around the desert for 40 years now. And now here we are right at the doorstep of what God has promised us. And I am so pumped. In other words, I've got great expectations from God in this promised land. So I need you 12 guys to go scope it out and come back with the details. Right? You, you can almost feel it. They're, he's pumping them up for their mission to scope out everything. Verse 18. See what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land because it was the season of the first ripe grapes. So, again, Moses is excited. It's been a long time, right? It's been 40 years since they left Egypt. And he's saying, here we are right on the brink of what we've been dreaming about, right? This is the moment. This is the moment we've been waiting for. The moment that I went head to head with Pharaoh for. We're finally here and I'm excited. I want to hear what the scouts report back. So you'd think the scouts would come back and say, wow, Moses, man, God's plans are way bigger than anything we could have dreamed of. Man, uh, we are so grateful for how you kept us going strong in the desert because this, this thing that's out here, man, this is beyond what we ever imagined. You'd think they'd say that, <laughs> but no, it, it didn't go like that. Right? They went full-on Debbie Downer mode. So if you jump down to verse 27 and check out what they say when they get back. They, being the spies, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. So they're starting off well, right? Like, hey, it is what we thought, right? It seems like things are going to be a great report here. Like, here's the fruit. Things are absolutely amazing. And then verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful, right? And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. These are giants. So what's the deal? 
right? Essentially what they're saying is, all right, we've got to admit the grapes are huge. The land is as amazing as we ever hoped for. It's lush. It's bountiful. But there's a catch. It is crawling with people who aren't exactly rolling out the welcome mat for us, right? And they're ready for a fight. And their cities, man, they are massive with walls up to the sky, right? Taking them on, it just seems impossible because we're not exactly a military powerhouse. And, and the soldiers, man, they look like they could squash us without breaking a sweat. They even have giants that are living there. And then Moses hears this. He says, hold up, wait, wait, guys. You kind of missed the whole point. Right? You were supposed to go, you weren't supposed to go hunting for problems. Your job was to go scope out the promise. Sure, problems exist, but that wasn't your mission. You were supposed to spot the opportunities, not just the obstacles. Right? But here you are, you're coming back. You, you guys seem like you're scared of everything. I, I don't know about you, when I read this, I just kind of want to shake these guys and say, like, really? Like, like all you can do is spot the flaws? Like, it, it's, it's kind of like nitpicking a minor scratch on a brand new car, right? They are essentially saying, we can't hack it. Sure, the promise and the potential are there, but in their eyes, the challenge is, man, they are so big and they loom larger than the prospects. The hurdles, they just seem insurmountable compared to the opportunities. So that's 10 of the 12. Out of the 12, there are two people who see it differently, and one of them steps up with a different take in verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it, right? So to help you kind of get the picture here, there are 10 guys getting the crowd all riled up and all scared. And so Caleb, he kind of has to calm them down a little bit, right? So he can say what he saw. And he, what he saw was opportunities because Caleb understood this. God's gifts often arrive wrapped in challenges, right? God's gifts often arrive wrapped in challenges. It's easy to get hung up on the problems instead of the possibilities. And a lot of us do this, but Caleb, man, he wasn't having any of it. He's like, look, forget all that other stuff. We are all in on spotting the possibilities, and we're not going to get bogged down by the challenges. And Joshua was right there with him, kind of nodding along. So you might wonder, were, were these two guys just... Blind to the issues? I mean, did they overlook the giants? Did they not see the fortified cities? They didn't see the battle-ready warriors? No, no, no. They saw all of that. But their confidence in God's greatness was unwavering. They had this great expectation that God was on their side and he was going to work for their success. Now, meanwhile, the other ten spies are all caught up in fear and thinking, man, we can't pull this off. Man, this is impossible, right? And they represent the majority opinion. So watch what happens next when they begin acting on their fear in verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. It's kind of like watching an episode of Real Housewives or, or, you know, if you remember old school dance moms. Something, right? There's gossip, there's drama, it's a mess. And so they're sitting here thinking, look, we don't want Joshua and Caleb swaying the people. So we're going to spread the word to kind of keep expectations low, right? To doubt that anything good will happen. So they do this. It goes on. So they said, 
The land we explored devours those living in it. And the people we saw there are of great size. They're giants. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Right? You probably met these kind of people, right? The, the ones who escalate everything with drama, throwing out phrases like you always and you never, right? claiming it's impossible or you're completely wrong, all the while late raising the level of drama. That's exactly what's going on here. But here's the thing. They've totally overlooked this, and this is where Joshua and Caleb are thinking, hey, guys, not so long ago, we were slaves, Right? We, we were making bricks. We were enduring beatings. Not so long ago, they were taking the lives of our children. And from all of that, God saved us. He led us through the Red Sea on dry land. He brought us into the desert. And for 40 years, he has fed us. He made water come out of a rock. So come on, guys. Have more confidence in God's plan than this. So jump to chapter 14. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. So, God has proven to be powerful and able for 40 years in the desert. But somehow, these people now think that God isn't big enough for the challenge. They've let fear and negativity dictate their lives, and that fear is spreading like wildfire. Do you know why? This is why. Negativity blurs the promise of God's greatness. Negativity blurs. It will make it where it's hard to see the promise of of God's greatness. In other words, adopting a negative outlook or attitude, it will interfere with your ability to see and believe in the great expectations God can do in your life. When we focus on doubts and fears and pessimistic thoughts, we miss out on experiencing the full depth of God's love, his power, and his plans for us. So the negativity of these 10 guys, it begins to creep through the community, right? Two million people, and they're weeping allowed. They didn't believe that it could happen. And I just wonder how many of us might be in that place. I imagine as you're watching this in a crowd this size that there are more than a few of us who are thinking something similar to those 10 negative guys. Maybe you're thinking, look, it's just probably just too late for me. There's, there's no way that God can help me out of this mess. My life's a disaster and I am miles away from being one of those put together Christians. It's just not possible for God to fix this. Or, or maybe you're sitting and thinking, look, there's no way that I'm going to find a partner. Or there's no way that my marriage can get back on track. There's no way to sort out my finances like we hope. There's no way that I can make an impact. I'm just stuck here feeling hopeless, thinking I've missed my shot and making a difference. But, but here's the kicker. There were two of the 12 who chose faith over fear. And that mindset, Joshua and Caleb were like, guys, come on. We're not going to let fear rule over faith. Enough with focusing on problems instead of promises. We aren't going to let obstacles get in the way. We're going to look at the opportunities. And so they stood up and they made their voices heard in verse 6. And this begins to shift the narrative. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Japuneth, uh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we pass through and explore is exceedingly good. 
It's good. Sure, there are giants. Sure, there are fortified cities. It's not going to be a walk in the park, but we're holding on to the belief that it's all worth it. We're convinced that God has some great expectations. He has big dreams that are big enough that he could be praised for making them happen. I believe that God has great expectations, even for us as a church. I believe he has built something very unique here at Next Level, a place where your story is safe, a place where there is no condemnation, a place where people are free to ask questions and explore faith. And if church or Christians have let you down in the past and it made you kind of question your faith, God has made this a place where you can reconstruct your faith here and it'll be stronger than it ever was. My hope and my dream for what God will accomplish in my life and here at Next Level is sky high. So it really gets to me when folks come into our building and they just don't expect anything from God. Like they're just checking, checking, checking off the box for attending another Sunday church. Here, in this church, we aim to arrive full of anticipation for what God will do. That's the reason we greet people with so much enthusiasm. That's why we have dedicated first impressions teams. Our expectations are high because we see the potential for greatness here. Our faith in what God plans to do, just like Joshua and Caleb, is fueled by what is stated there in verse 8. We face obstacles, but sure, we have great expectations for what God will do. Look at verse 8 here. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. I love the confidence. He will lead us, and he will give it to us. All we need to do is take it one step at a time, chasing after what God has promised because he's greater than any problem that we face. Just keep moving forward, step by step, towards the opportunities God lays out for us, knowing he's larger than any hurdle in our path. And it takes, all it takes is to have more faith than fear and to be ready to say, God, I'll follow your lead. So let's go back to that phrase. God's gift often arrives wrapped in challenges. But here's the thing. God is bigger than the challenges. God is bigger than the challenges. And let's be real for a moment. Chasing dreams as big as God's dreams, it might stir up a bit of fear. It brings up questions like, am I on the right path? Uh, what if this fails? Or will people think I've lost it? I mean, these kind of questions are normal. Yeah, there's going to be hurdles. And you might think, look, I, I, I want to have faith, Clay, but these obstacles that are in front of me, they seem insurmountable. And I completely understand. However, the crucial part is this. Joshua and Caleb succeeded because they didn't compare the challenges and the hurdles to their own strength, but to God's. They acknowledged, sure, there's daunting challenges. Sure, there's formidable cities blocking our path, but God is mightier. The problem with the majority who got it wrong is they doubted and they chose fear. And they seized up on the challenges, like, we can't do this, right? It's, it's not in our capabilities. We're not capable. We don't have the strength. But Joshua and Caleb, like, they called out, of course you can't do it on your own, but God can. Right? They kept insisting God can, even as the majority dismissed them as delusional. When you aim for dreams as big as God's dreams, expect to find yourself in the minority sometimes. Your colleagues, your family, neighbors, friends, they might all say that you're out of your mind. 
Yet you can stand strong in the conviction that the promise surpasses the problem and the opportunity outshines the obstacle because God has assured it's yours if you only believe. So my question for you as we kind of wrap up today's message is a very simple question. What's holding you back? What's holding you back? What makes you hesitate to believe God has great expectations for you? What's stopping you from perhaps for the very first time embracing God's way instead of your own? Because if your approach isn't working and it feels flawed, what's preventing you from trying his path? Is it fear? Is it a lack of expectation? Right? Uncertainty about what is coming next? What stands in your way? Is it that you think, man, it's just too late? What blocks you from expecting God to act in your life? Because I want you to understand something really important. Jesus, the Son of God, came and lived and died so you could overcome exactly that. So, if you want to start believing again, if you want to dream again, if you want to, to give a, a, a time to that, I want us to listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. So, here's what I want us to do. I want us to close our eyes. I want us to open our hearts, and I want to hear from God. So, let's just take a moment. Heavenly Father, we come to you today with some broken dreams, some broken hearts. And Father, I pray that you speak to us exactly what we need to hear about what is in the way of believing you have great expectations for us. Now, here's what I want you to do. Just sit there for a moment and listen. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Just listen. Maybe you're questioning whether God can mend your relationship with your son or your daughter. Maybe you're wondering if that friend will ever understand. Or maybe you're not sure God can ever forgive you. Maybe it's a, a financial thing that you're going through. Or you think you're not smart enough. You're not from the right neighborhood. Maybe it's the doubts about your marriage or feeling that you're simply not enough. Maybe it's indifference. Maybe you just stopped expecting anything to change. Or maybe your dreams were extinguished and you've forgotten. What is it? Whatever it is, I want you to give that thing to Jesus. Whatever uh, has been gnawing at you, all that heavy stuff, just picture handing it to Jesus. Imagine him right there with you, ready to take it off your shoulders. It's like he's saying, hey, here you go, Jesus. I don't know how to deal with this, but I trust that you do. And guys, and it's not about pretending everything's fine or ignoring the pain or about believing uh, there's someone, uh, you know, that can't handle it because God is bigger than all of it. So let's just take a moment and really feel that handoff. We're here with our messes, our worries, our dreams that seem more like distant memories now. Jesus, we're carrying around these heavy backpacks filled with all of our what-ifs and our it's-too-lates. It's filled with our deepest fears and maybe we're not cut out for this. We've got these broken pieces in our lives, strained relationships, personal failures, the echoes of harsh words that we can't seem to shake off. And it's all hard, Jesus. It's really hard to see beyond the mess, to imagine a future that's bright and hopeful when we're stuck in the middle of what feels like a never-ending storm. But here's the thing. God, we are choosing to believe that you're bigger than all of that that you're here in the mess with us, holding out your hand, ready to help us clean it up, piece by piece. 
So we're handing it all over to you. Every worry about money, every doubt about our worth, every fear that we've gone too far, we're placing it all in your hands because honestly, we're tired of holding on to it. We want to trust that you have great expectations for all of these pieces, that you can turn our mess into something beautiful. And as we do that, as we hand over these burdens, God, fill us with your peace. Help us to feel your presence, to know deep down that we're not walking through this alone. Open our eyes to the glimpses of hope and the moments of joy that we've been too burdened to see. Teach us to dream again, to hope wildly, to love deeply. Remind us that every day is a new beginning, a chance to start fresh. Let us wake up each morning with the expectation that you're going to do something amazing in our lives, even if we can't see it. Jesus, help us see it as you see it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to someone that you know, would you mind sharing this video? Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing the content as well as liking and subscribing to this channel, you get to help us accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And as we say every week, kind of along those same lines, if you can help us financially, we would really appreciate that. You can go over to our website, nextlevelchurch.org, select the Give button, and then choose one of the giving options that's there. Your faithful support helps us continue to create content and do all that we do to raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. Now, by way of benediction, let me reread this verse to you in Numbers chapter 14, verse 8. It says, If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. May you, as you go about your week, may you see God's gift in every challenge. May you always know God is greater than any obstacle you face. Amen. Hey, have a blessed week. I hope to see you back next week as we continue in this series on great expectations.